Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is episode number 91. It's crazy. Podcast lives are only 13 episodes in and I'm just going to keep doing this because there's a lot of people I want to talk to and there's a lot of things that I want to learn, especially about unconventional fitness. In today's episode, I get to interview Tyler Valencia. He's the president of KIPS, which is the Kinesiology Institute for Performance Specialists. And we go in deep on a ton of unconventional tools, their benefits. I love talking about unconventional fitness because it doesn't really get talked about in the mainstream a lot. And I just want to introduce it to regular folks because working in the transverse plane is just, it's it's an easier transition. It makes us feel stronger in rotational planes. It gets us thinking faster. It gets us feeling better, less inflamed. Uh, more of a relaxed state of mind, right? And then we go into this, into the podcast. So uh, I love talking to people that are interested in, in this kind of thing. Tyler and his company, Kips, is one of the few who are doing workshops nationwide, teaching people about these unconventional tools. It aligns with my philosophies as I, as I teach steel mace and kettlebells and, and clubs and all that stuff. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast because this was a fun one. A lot of information. Maybe take some notes. Um, let's engage on Instagram, Danny Cola Fitness. If you're interested and you like what Tyler's saying and you want to hear more about Kips, make sure to follow Tyler at Tyler underscore Kips online on Instagram and at Kips underscore online to learn more about the Kinesiology Institute for Performance Specialists. So here's the podcast. Oh, here's the steel mace. I can use it in a very similar way kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, let's jump right into that because that's exactly what I want to talk about. And, you know, part of the reason why I do this podcast is not only to make awareness of these topics and these unconventional tools and and how athletes could use them, how everyday people can use them. But like, I, I want to learn as much as I can from people like you. You know, this is the beauty of this day and age. And, you know, I think sometimes we forget that. And another thing, like, you know, like I'm a high school teacher, I'm a fitness coach, I'm a soccer coach. A lot Mm -hmm. of times people in these positions as a coach, Mm -hmm. they think that they might know it all and that's the end all be all. And then the growth kind of stops. And it's kind of sad in this day and age when like stuff's evolving at an astronomical rate, like we have to keep up with the times. So as a coach, as a fitness professional, I love having guys like you in here to talk about that type of stuff and, you know, you know, make awareness about these types of things and let's optimize each other. Let's share this information because, you know, the world, America specifically, we have this epidemic where, you know, we're sick, we're Mm -hmm. mentally sick, we're physically sick. Um, our mindset about things are just, you know, uh, average at best. And, you know, these are the things that I want to talk about so that we could enjoy life a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? So Tyler, back to what you were saying, like the the stuff that's fresh on your mind, Mm -hmm. unconventional tools, offset weights, you can do them both hands, one hand, different types of maneuvers. Let's talk specifically uh, unconventional tools and the athlete just off the top of your head is there anybody that you're working with specifically and maybe not anybody famous or anything like that but like mm-hmm. baseball players soccer players stick sport athletes volleyball players that might be uh that might that you might be working with right now that's uh something that you might be wanting to talk about off the top yeah. of your head 
So a good one, and this might relate to more trainers in the uh, general population, is that I have right now a, a gentleman that I haven't right I'm thinking about right now. He one might not consider him a quote unquote athlete. He is sixty six year old, sixty six year old, but um, he is actually someone that loves to be active. He plays softball. I wouldn't say competitive competitively that uh, one might think, but he plays in leagues. He travels. She tries to stay active as much as he can. He plays golf. He goes to the driving range. You know, he's a retired guy. Mm-hmm. And he's at a point in his life where he cannot do many of those things from prior injuries. He's got two bum knees, he's got a bad shoulder. And before he met with me, he did a lot of traditional training. You know, nothing wrong with traditional strength training, you know, doing shoulder presses, uh, bicep curls, chest presses, different types of. Um, he, I saw the trainer that he worked with before and he did do some kind of kettlebell work, but it wasn't until we started doing these three dimensional movements, working in the sagittal, uh, frontal and transverse planes and incorporating things like the Viper, the steel mace, Indian clubs, steel clubs that he started to really see, oh, wow, this is the, these are the movements that I should be doing. If I want to get back to playing softball regularly, riding a bike playing golf, getting my swing, uh, my club head swing back to where I want it to be. This, this is it. He, he saw it right away. And that I think sometimes when we're working with um, an athlete or even general population and trying to show these tools with them, they forget or they even, um, they're tr- trained to think there's only one typical way of training. And that is I need to be beat to death by the end of a session. I need to be dripping sweat or else it was a bad session. When in reality, a lot of us know that if you walk away feeling better, um, you can walk better, you can do your normal activities better, there's a higher chance that you're going to want to train more, you're going to be able to train more, and hopefully be able to acquire those skills more efficiently. So with this uh, gentleman, we utilize things like the rib trainer on a weekly basis. We use the Viper, we use the steel mace. He Almost immediately after showing him Indian clubs, he bought his own pair of light Indian clubs. I showed him what the steel mace was. Sorry, the steel club was. He bought one within 24 hours and he loves them. You know, this is somebody that's retired. Some might think that, oh, you shouldn't be doing these types of things. But again, we know that if somebody becomes um, sedentary, you know, it's only down more downhill from there. Ooh, totally, man. I could like, I mean, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about fitness and, you know, uh, these unconventional methods and, and, and mobility work and, and, you know, just strengthening and feeling better for your everyday life is because I watched my grandparents both deteriorate after retirement, mm-hmm. you know, this mindset that we work for X amount of years and now, you know, generations are changing and times are changing and people are changing, but, you know, I watched my grandparents young, you know, 60, 65 yeah. years old, they retired from, from work. And after that, they didn't want to do shit, man. They yeah. wanted to sit down. They wanted to watch TV. They didn't want to work at all. They wanted to eat pasta and then go to sleep. And then, you know, with, I'm telling you, within like five or six years of retirement, now the, uh, the, the first preliminary uh, uh, symptoms of Alzheimer's started coming. And 
it was it was a painful seven eight years to watch them just go through that alzheimer's and dementia together man it's it's crazy so to hear one of your clients 66 years old getting himself into to these things i mean it's so human it's so natural maybe this guy loves that type of shit to do that and and to 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 play to move to be out in nature and then to feel good about it, man, is 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 huge. So I, I'm I'm glad to hear that type of uh, stuff is going on. But yeah, um, let's talk. Let's talk steel clubs. Let's talk mm-hmm. Indian clubs. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between uh, those two uh, terms? So we got Indian clubs, steel clubs. Can we talk a little bit about those two differences? Yeah. So in my opinion, with the Indian club work, some people might tend to think that they're just for warm ups or even. Uh, lighter club work. I use them for a warm up. I have used them post workouts before. Um, the reason I like Indian clubs myself, light Indian club work, the gentleman that showed them to me, um, his name's Jason Dolby. He's with the Orange Kettlebell Club. Mm-hmm. Um, when he showed them to me, immediately I thought, wow, my shoulders are moving in all the different movements oh, yeah. of the shoulder. When you think flexion, extension, abduction, abduction, whatever that might be you can use these light clubs, whether it's a pound and a half, half a pound. And if you're doing them with the the, the clubs, you're going to feel it almost right away. You're like, wow, like this is only a pound and a half and mm-hmm. my shoulders are already feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, with steel clubs, one, they're steel, but two, you tend to see them. I, I believe they have two and a half pound um, steel clubs, but um, five pound, 10, 10 pounds. Um, some of the mechanics might differ just because of the load with it, but you can do a lot of the same movements. The strength training properties are, are there. You can go into different types of, um, with the gentleman that I spoke about earlier and what we're just incorporating steel clubs with him. We do a lot of, um, flexion workouts, uh, just t- teaching him how just to lift it and bring it overhead. That's one of the main things that he is missing right now with his bum shoulder is he has, once he goes past a certain degree, he will tend to compensate with different body parts or even how he starts off. He, oh, totally. he tends to essentially open up more just to compensate for that type of movement. So um, with him, just taking him through the normal movements of um, the shoulder and just trying to get those things back has been a big key for them. And I actually want to take one step back because with uh, his training, there's something that um, specifically talking about athletes that we were just starting to incorporate in the last three weeks that has been phenomenal. And, um, so with athletes, a big thing that we're starting to, um, discover more or even, um, see more in social media is the importance of the difference between agility and change of direction. So when we think about athletic movements in general, there's no, you step here, you step there, you move your body here. It's essentially I'm talking about pre-planned movements. Mm -hmm. So with agility and change of direction, one of the big components there is change of direction direction there's typically there is a uh pre-planned movement there but with athletic athleticism with sports you're always reacting to a opponent a ball whatever that might be so often in those situations where we see those knick-knack injuries come in the person or the athlete is not ready for those types of movements their body position or they even trained those before and you get you know a strained calf a pulled hamstring whatever that might be lower back is a huge issue between uh high school kids right now lower back and like oblique issues and then you know trickles up to the shoulders and, and down to the hips as well oh yeah oh yeah and so with this specific gentleman, and this shows how you know you don't have to be young to be to do these types of drills. So he is wanting to get back to softball, as I mentioned, and 
he is at a point where he knows that he needs to take it slow. So he right now when he's playing softball, he just hits or he he plays catcher. So he's not, you know, he he typically plays. This is gives you a little bit of background about him, but he usually plays shortstop. He loves the feeling of playing shortstop. An athlete, catcher. huh? A real athlete. Oh yeah, <laughs> he loves to play shortstop. And right now he's he's holding himself back because he knows he can't make those types of moves or reactions based on uh, the ball. So in the last week, what we did is we started easy. So we took the typical T drill where uh, an athlete or an individual runs straight and then, you know, they shuffle to one yeah, side, they shuffle to the another side. Sure. Yep. And then they shuffle back. So to start him off, what I did was I just made that he reacted to me. There's still a, it's still a pre-planned movement. He's going to go either left or right. But now I'm adding that little bit of stimulus where I, I'm going to direct him either left or right. And he has to position his body and be able to make those movements. So we took it slow. That was just week one. This week, what we did with him was I introduced tag to him. So I set up a, a parameter. I made a small box and I told him, I'm going to only go about 60, 70% on you. And he's like, what? Like we're going to play tag. And I'm like, yes, we're going to play tag. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I said, you, you're going to try and get, get away from me. You got to stay within the box. But it's exactly those types of things we're talking about with reacting to, trying to figure out body position. And this is the kind of stuff that we know when we talk about agility. This is agility. This isn't a pre-planned movement. He doesn't know where I'm going to be coming from. He doesn't know essentially you know, which way to get out of it. But the athlete has to critically think in those situations in order to move their body or take the right step. And with, with my uh, client that I'm talking about right now, this is the stuff that helps him learn his body position, he, you know, there's a good chance that he's never going to go back. I'm going to say right now, he's never going to go back to, you know, when he was a hundred percent 20 years ago, 25 years ago, sure. but he can be a smarter athlete. He can learn how to strengthen certain things that he may, might've not done before. And hopefully, um, you know, be better off with it. Totally, man. That's the training of the nervous system right there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these people like older guys that, that think that, you know, they can't learn new tricks or, you know, a lot of people, especially alphas in the fitness industry, they're reluctant to be put in a vulnerable situation. They don't want to relearn anything. This is a common thing that I'm seeing with a lot of adults in the industry, whether they're teaching high school, whether they're coaching, they just want to stick to the guns that they're used to and then what they've known for such a long time, which, I mean, it kind of bothers me if we're talking about like optimization, if we're talking about like uh, individual optimizing to their you know, their highest point, their pure potential, and then Mm -hmm. how much that can impact on a team level, Mm -hmm. we need to, we need to adjust and train in in intelligent ways. Um, And that's what, uh, uh, what I've learned, like a lot about unconventional methods, it's that there's a nervous system mechanism behind it, you know, doing anything that's doing anything that's offset will force your body's weak side to kind of regenerate again, what are your thoughts on this? Oh yeah, hundred percent with that. And with the um, these unconventional tools, a lot of what I like to do with clients, um, with the and even what we talk about in the workshops is a little bit of the loaded movement training. So mm-hmm. when we think about sport and daily life, you know, we're not just staying in a sagittal plane. We're not just doing a bicep. We're not mm-hmm. just doing a shoulder press where we're going to set our shoulders back and down. Okay, we're going to brace here, and then we're going we're going to take that pot and we're going to put it on the top shelf. When you're doing a shoulder press, that's the that does not look like a, um, you know, putting a pot in you know the top shelf. There's, There's similar options. Yeah. And so with doing different types of, uh, you know, loaded movements uh, with 
the unconventional tools. Here are things where you're going to be using more than one muscle. You're going to be moving across different planes. And here's that translation to the sport. And so a good example of this, and I, I love talk, this exercise whenever I utilize it with a client and you can be used with multiple different tools, but a grave digger. So with this one, you can use a Viper. You can use it with a, you know, um, weight plate. You can use a steel mace. Um, now you've mentioned Viper and uh, a couple of times now. Can you explain to people what the Viper is? Yeah, a Viper. Um, I would say it's one of the most uh, recognizable of the unconventional tools, just because it's in more commercial gyms. This is that thing with if somebody is uh, uh, working in a commercial gym, it's typically that thing in the corner that, that's plastic round um, and it's in kilograms and it comes in different colors right now. Mm-hmm. And it's rubber, but it's basically two handles. It kind of looks like a um, what's the best way to say it? Uh, let's think it almost looks like a log. Some people that don't, don't know how to utilize it yet. They usually utilize it for like log presses with their clients, yes, um, yes. but it's rubberized. It looks a little bit safer. And sometimes it's easier to introduce unconventional tools with the Viper first, just because it seems safer to them. They don't know yet about the different properties of steel mace, steel clubs, and that kind of stuff. So uh, with the grave digger, here's something that you can take, you can strip it down, you can make it at this most basic uh, function, you can do, you know, two feet planted on the ground, and essentially, you know, teaching an individual how to utilize a hip hinge, um, going into overhead raise with it. Mm-hmm. And now well, let's say that this person or athlete, whatever that might be, wants to take a step up, oh, I'm ready for that next step. Now we can add a step into it where they're having to position their hips underneath their, their body while they're raising something overhead. They're having to balance while holding a load. So here's a great movement that you think right away, wow, like why wasn't I doing this for, you know, for years? This is something that is definitely useful. But again, as we go back to, we're so conditioned to um, think, and I have nothing against you know hit workouts or um, anything like that that's high intensity. You know, there's a place and a function for everything in my mind. Totally. totally. But, you know, we got to get outside that mind that if we're not drenched in sweat, that it's not a good workout. And I think that that's something that in many different areas we see a good example of that is um, I used to teach a class very close to me. And it was, this will give you a good idea of the population. It was taught at 9 a.m. twice a week and 9 a.m. That's typically retired folks and, you know, women that just dropped off their kids. Stay-at-home moms, totally, yeah. Exactly. So the people that would come to that, they were very conditioned to, okay, well, can I just – I love to do chest flies. Can we do chest flies? I was like, okay, I'll give you a little bit of what you like, but you got to give me a little what I like. But every time they had to incorporate something that required the brain to work where they had to think through different steps, I tell you – I've never seen people get so mad about an exercise and, and not want to come back. The fact that they have to use their brain, you know, balance, use their quote unquote core for these types of things. These are what they need, but you know, they don't, they get so frustrated over because they don't, they don't understand the benefits or they don't uh, sure. want to learn them. I think that's one of the biggest things that we, th- we see as trainers. People have to want to learn these things. Sure. I mean, you said it earlier, like it's this preconceived notion of what we think exercise is, is about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like chest press and these, these single, you know, body parts splits. I mean, they've gotten us to this point, you know, in this generation. And it, it taught us a lot about development and muscular development. However, like, like we're saying, like 
it doesn't have to be all like super heavy load on the chest or back or leg day or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, have you seen the documentary right now with Ronnie Coleman that's out on Netflix? Oh boy, that gets me every, every time I even think about it. That gets me. Right? So like th- this is something like it's a great example for people to kind of see the state that Ronnie Coleman is in now. I mean, yeah. his nervous system is completely shot. The guy can't walk. He's a, mm-hmm. he's crippled. And he was the greatest of all time when it comes to bodybuilders. You hear Mr. Olympia's like Jay Cutler, who won multiple times, mm-hmm. say that Ronnie was the greatest of all time. Muscles on top of muscles. But yeah. it's a it's an example of heavy, heavy training constantly in those uh, seasons that he's been in, you know, training for the Olympia you know, just crushing his nervous system. And, and obviously yeah, he looked really good and, you know, muscles on top of muscles and the strongest guy out there. But, you know, he's got to be what, in his 50s, maybe early 60s, maybe. Mm-hmm. And like, he can't do anything right now. And you want to be 66 years old playing softball, playing yeah. golf, enjoying, you know, parts of life and, and really enjoy the, the beauty that comes with each stage in life, really, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you you watch that documentary exactly what you're saying you, you feel for him and then you start to see you know what got him to that point and you know, that's where the whole you know the risk reward or even is it is it worth it and in his case you know i won't i don't want to judge him and say it wasn't worth it because you know you see he said himself oh he's got a brand that he manages sure. uh, he's got a family all these great things um but you just feel bad knowing you know what he's going through right now with the low back pain, his hips, all that kind of stuff. And it just, it gets you, gets you right there. It's it's awful. That's awful. And I I hope, I hope everything was worth it for him, but like, here's like, you know, it's an example for, for, you know, young guys in the gym training right now that, they want to get in the gym and they want to be benching 255, like when they're 18 years old. You know, like it's this dog and pony show where these young kids and maybe even, you know, adults that don't grow out of that mindset, they want to show people toughness and I'm mm-hmm. stronger than you. And it's like this this ego showing game where I want to show superiority. And like, you know, part of unconventional methods, you do have to slow down. You do have to think about what's happening next. And you do have to start with a low weight. And they're not the same type of movements that we're used to. So you got to go back down to square square one. And it's it's uncomfortable to put yourself in into those vulnerable positions, like I said earlier. But like, you want to talk about optimization long term, the long game. You want to be playing shortstop at 66. Mm-hmm. I think these types of movements have to happen eventually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's a good good thing you pointed out with not just young athletes, but older. And I think the mindset even and how you're getting to them as the trainer, sometimes it's you get an older gentleman or older woman. I don't want to uh, neglect the, the females out there with this, but you get an individual that they've had the injuries, they've had prior uh, experiences that weren't the best, and now they're willing to learn. You know, they've had those types of things that happen to them. They're like, okay, I know I'm, I'm not squatting right. I know I'm not sure. doing X, Y, Z correctly. How do I do these properly? How do I, how do I move better? And that makes it easier for the trainer. But now we also have young athletes that are in the gym. Like just how you mentioned, I saw it last week when I went to the gym. It's almost right when they get out of school and it's all bench, bench all day. Uh-huh. And oftentimes it's not the best technique. It's four or five guys around the bench. Uh, they got their high school shirts on, cutoffs, and they're just, they're just benching away. And those are the cool guys, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you, you you think, oh man, like if only they knew, you know, what you know, what are they trying to do in the gym? And you know, you want to step in, but oftentimes it's not your place, or even 
right. you know, they're not going to listen. They, they're setting their way. So it's a uh, huge, it's a huge part of personal trainers or coaches to understand that energy. You know right. what I'm saying? Like to know your place, to know when it's, and, and even not just to know your place, but how to communicate that effectively in a positive way where you're not demoralizing the ego of someone like that, because then it comes off as strong. It comes off as, you know, you're not trying to help them, but you're just trying to correct them and put them in their place. And I never want to like have that type of impact on somebody. I want to take my knowledge and expertise and information that I've learned from so many great people along my path and my point is and my intention is to hopefully you know optimize them and make them think a little bit about the movement patterns that they're choosing to make and uh techniques that they're choosing to kind of go through to make them better perform in whatever area that is you know a hundred percent a hundred percent agree with that and i think the the whole introduction to it i think that that's where you also get the the joy of introducing things at, at different rates um, a good example of that is a year ago, uh, I was in I was in Miami. I was uh, I just finished a workshop, and it was at uh, a gym called Get Get Lion Strong. Um, and the the gentleman that owns it, his name's uh, Lionel, and he was talking about how he incorporates all the different types of unconventional tools in his boot camps, personal training, whatever that might be. And this is a great example of one person how he's incorporating. They use steel clubs. Um, they have, if anybody's familiar with the um, Addicts brand, Addicts Adjustable Clubs and Maces, they uh, they make this thing called the ARC, which, which is kind of a segue in between a steel club and a steel mace. So it's a hmm. it's a middle link, and then they have their steel mace. When he was talking about how we first introduce them to the club, we get them learning different movements. We introduce them to the ARC, which is a, a segue, and then eventually once they pick up the steel mace, like, wow, I already, I already know that movement. I already know um, how to do this. This is just a little bit longer. Okay, I'm already I'm good with that, and I think that whether it's teaching them with the steel, uh, steel clubs, steel steel mace, whatever they might be, or incorporating things like the Viper or the Rip Trainer or TRX uh, suspension training, mm-hmm. there's different ways that you can use not just one tool, and I think that that's a way to get into the minds of the client to to show them, hey, you already know this, you've seen this Rip Trainer, okay. Here is a different way of use, utilizing it. A good um, example of that is with the rib trainer, they have something called the chopper. Some people might call it a punch. Um, with this, you can do it high, um, low, or right in the middle. And oftentimes you can you know, simulate what a maybe a golf swing, a baseball swing, or if you're going high, it's kind of like a, um, a lacrosse. I don't know if they call it a throw, lacrosse uh, toss, or if you're going low again, like the, the golf swing right there, but let's say that your gym does not have those tools. You don't have, your gym doesn't have a rip trainer. Or and, typically, you, and typically I would feel like these marquee gyms don't, don't have these tools. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, or we could even say yeah, that they don't even have them. How can I do that movement with a steel mace? There's different, if you start to think critically about them, these proper, these tools have similar properties that you can utilize in different parts of the gym. So let's say that the rip trainer is taken, you could take your steel mace, move to an open space, and you can do those same movements. Movement, And now you can utilize it whenever you want. This is something that a lot of trainers, they might not know about. A good example I talk about is uh, earlier in the year, I spoke at uh, the LA Fit Expo. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's a good thing at the same time. Um, I was doing a lecture on unconven- introducing unconventional tools to your clients. And before it starts, I, I, I say, hey, how's it going? Let's do a little poll. How many people have heard of 
the steel mace. Nobody raises their hand. How many people have heard of steel club? Nobody. How many people have heard of Viper? Nobody. I'm like, are you guys, are you guys kidding? Like, are you guys serious? And I was like, are you guys trainers? And then, <laughs> and then of course you go to, okay, how many people have heard of TRX? You know, 75%, yeah, 75% raise their hand. Like, okay, totally fine. Totally cool. But by the end of it, you know, they all see, oh, this is what it is. Okay. Oh, I can already, and then they start to connect the dots in their head as the seminar goes on. They can see how they can utilize it with their clients. And the same thing goes with different tools, whatever it might be. And I think that that's the most important part with introducing it to your clients is sometimes if you want to introduce them to the steel mace, you might have to start at a different point. You might have to start with a steel club or you might have to start with a Viper or a weight plate so that they're comfortable with it. You know, everybody has their own um, preconditions about what these tools are. I remember the first time, uh, one of the first times I ever saw a steel mace, somebody said that, oh, is that a sledgehammer? Am I going to hurt myself? And <laughs> That's actually one of the biggest barriers for what I've heard from a, a friend of mine that works with a, um, a large chain in the country was he was saying that they want to int introduce um, or have steel maces in their facilities, but they're worried about people hurting themselves. He shared a story with me that uh, in the last month, somebody, just a member, took a, picked up a steel mace and just started banging it into the ground, just slamming it into the ground. And you think... You know, somebody that knows what it is like, are you, are you, is this a real story? Is it, am I living in a fairy tale? And this, this is what happens. You get members or people that don't know about things and they, totally. one, they think it's a weapon or they think they can just start slamming things into the ground. So the whole introduction and even the education of it with um, the general pop, I think it's a great thing for trainers right now. You could be almost at the forefront of, um, you know, if you want to create a, a niche for yourself, if you want to be that person in your area that teaches um, steel clubs with, with golfers or Indian clubs with golfers or whatever that might be, that could be you in the next, you know, five years. Totally, dude. This is, I mean, you're so right. And, you, you know, there's kettlebells that, that are in every gym and nobody even knows how to use kettlebells properly. You know, everyone does the kettlebell swing and they do their own shitty version of the kettlebell swing. And these tools, you have to be mindful or else you could really screw yourself up. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I think the education system is like, and I'm, I'm really fortunate to be talking with you, man. Like, I'm so, ex so excited that you have all this knowledge and you're just throwing off all these things and going in different areas where I'm like, my, my brain is lighting up. I want to, <laughs> I want to talk so much about this. And I think this is great for education in the future, just to kind of, you know, podcast and talk about these things, because it's this informal way of like fluid convo that people mm -hmm. are going to be like, Oh, wait, what is that? How is this going to benefit me? I know a bunch of athletes are doing this right now. I know people are feeling really good doing these movements in these uh, transverse planes with these offset weights that are mm -hmm. feeling, you know, people are just swearing by it and feeling really good. But the catch 22 is you have to know what you're doing. So you need a coach. You need some sort of education system. You needed to go to some sort of workshop. I think we're still like 20 years away from having steel maces in everyday gyms. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and like at least being okay for the members to use. I still think we're still far away from that. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I can't say what the gym chain is that uh, that told me that story and where they are, but I will say that there is a gym chain that is in the process, and it's surprising, and and it's crazy to say that's just one, and that's just where we are right now. And sure. whether again, when we're talking about kettlebell education, I talk about this all the time. I mentioned how it isn't until recently that we started to see 
a differentiation in research for kettlebells between a squat mm-hmm. swing and a hip hinge, which is crazy to think mm-hmm. anybody that's that does kettlebell work with their clients or took a kettlebell workshop, you know that these are two different things. And there are even some educational systems that preach just one of them. And so the fact that research is that's just where it is right now, it kind of speaks for the rest of um, educational in education in the unconventional system that it's just not there yet. It's not. And it it could be just, you know, funding. It could be uh, popularity, a wide variety of things of why that is where it is. I mean, uh, I'll give you a, a little peek into uh, kind of where I am with stuff. I think uh, some people that might be listening, they might go to my Instagram. They might see that I'm a PhD candidate, and I'm at a point in my PhD program where I have to choose what my research is going to be on. And I, I've originally, you know, I, I think I shared before that I I love light Indian clubs. Um, I use them a good amount for myself on a weekly basis. I do. Uh, I compete in a sport that uh, I do a lot of throwing on just one side of my body and this kind of sport um, i compete in the highland games if anybody's familiar with that it's um it's uh, traditional scottish games uh, I, I throw rocks i throw weights um i throw something called the hammer uh, a lot of people know what the caber is it's a big, super interesting that's awesome <laughs> it's a uh, like a big telephone pole um the kicker is that i do wear a kilt if any uh which some people will laugh at but uh hey i get to i get to throw heavy weights and that's the haters dude they can get out (laughs) (laughs) and i travel around the the country doing it so i'm pretty fortunate for that but that's uh, awesome that's amazing so you were saying uh you're you're phd candidate so part of what you're 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 trying to to go in for go ahead and with that you know originally i wanted to do something with indian clubs i wanted to uh you know see if i could do a whole research project on this and it got to a point where the previous class that I was in is you got to pick something that is not going to take too much time. That's going to hold you back, which happens with a lot of people. And some advice that I got from um, somebody that uh, is a pretty, pretty known in the industry is Len Kravitz, Dr. Len Kravitz. I, I met up with him at a conference uh, by chance. And he said, you know, just do something easy just to get your foot in the door, get that, that uh, experience with research. And he's like, you can do, you can always do that in the future. And I took that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to, square one and i'm going to do something that i'm still passionate about um so right now i'm going to do it on um core stability and um, athletic performance we were talking a little bit about before with agility change direction that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. but you know even myself somebody that is semi-familiar pretty familiar with indian clubs steel clubs it's just not there in terms of the amount of more research you would have to do in order to get something out like that because essentially you're creating the protocol, you're creating right. all these types of things. You're trying to create that correlation and it's not out there and it would just take so much longer, but I'm not, to, I can't say that it won't happen in the future because I know it will eventually, it uh, will. but I, I can't wait for it. Totally. And like something that I'm really excited on is the fact that again, the whole nervous system thing and mm-hmm. being more in parasympathetic and, and being more of like, um, you know, at equilibrium when you're kind of taking in the information from the environment and mm-hmm. just being in a relaxed, calming state is going to be the thing that really uh, makes you live a long, fulfilling life, I think. You know, and I think unconventional tools like the clubs, like the mace, like the kettlebells, 
uh, are and, and not working out super hard all the time and understanding the balance of mobility and different types of slow movements, open chain mobility, uh, mm -hmm. spinal decompression, like stuff like this is going to get us in a real calming state, our body in a calm state so that we could, you know, again, react to our environment the way we're supposed to, the way it's supposed to be intended, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, you started off talking about the joys of you know what social media and the availability of uh, information that we have these days, and I think that that is a, a big thing that um, trainers or even the general public, I know that there is a, a component of it that uh, you know anybody can put information out there, but at the same time there always there is good stuff out there that individuals can see these types of things about okay wellness or how you know what is what is unconventional what is you know, what is a Viper? What is a steel mace? They can see yeah. these things and then, you know, go out to their gym and be like, Hey, you know, do you guys have these types of things? And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that more often. And then, you know, it almost becomes a situation where the, um, you know, the conventional gyms have to start, you know, getting these types of tools or getting their trainers educated on them, which we can only cross our fingers for so that, you know, it gets out there a little bit quicker because, you know, we know, you know, on this podcast, we know how important it is or how beneficial these tools can be for the general population. It's just getting it out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Now you're, you said you're a throwing athlete. There's yes. a ton, there's tons of throwing athletes out there um, that mess up their lower backs, that mess up their obliques, that have uh, impingements in their shoulders and hips because mm -hmm. of the overuse of one side or even kicking athletes. You know, they get accustomed to kicking with one side and, and creating these imbalances. Um, what specifically do you like to do to kind of balance those those uh, those muscles out when it comes to optimizing and throwing for you? Yeah, great. I'll say a great topic right now because um, actually, you know, I think every male probably goes through this situation or every competitive athlete. I don't want to just say males. Um, every yeah. competitive athlete goes through this situation where, um, they get stuck in a certain way. And for me, I had a realization and it happens all the time with myself is that, you know, I see my competitors that are, you know, doing power cleans 50 pounds more than me or squatting, you know, 50 more pounds. And you're like, oh, man, I, I got to get to the gym. I got to, I got to, you know, do more. And, you know, oftentimes this is where, you know, an injury can occur or overtraining might occur. And with myself taking a step back and, you know, remembering that one, you're an athlete, you're not a power lifter, you're not an Olympic lifter, you're not going to go sign up for one of those uh, meet a powerlifting meet or Olympic lifting meet, you know, you, you're going to go compete in the Highland Games, you got to be able to move, you got to be able to control weight. And these are things that I got to constantly refocus myself. And, you know, this week, I had a planned um, program that I was going to follow. And I ended up um, adjusting it, I ended up adjusting and incorporating more um, Viper work into a loaded movement training into it, um, different types of loaded movement with a barbell, a weight plate, whatever that might be, um, some single leg components, um, because, you know, I gotta, I gotta be able to move well. I gotta be dynamic. That's one of my, um, you know, remembering that each individual athlete is individual and you got to find what they're, they're good, they're good at, you know, totally. that, uh, for myself is that I used to be uh, a good jumper. Um, I ran track and field in high school. I used to do the jumps. I used to be able to jump long, high, all those types of things. And uh, when people usually see me throw, they can they usually say, "Wow, you're fast." And with throwing, it's it's an upper body thing. You're pushing weights. You're you're throwing weights. 
and I'm very used to using my legs, but it's that switch. You got to be able to use both or even just push weights with the upper body more. So with that being said, um, things that I've tried to incorporate more this week, um, the landmine setup is something so great that one, um, it's getting more out there, but I love the landmine setup. It's, um, there are, is you know, with the steel mace doing, you could do your 10 to two, three sixties, both. Um, if you're doing your three sixties, make sure you're doing both sides. Um, if you're doing your club work, making sure that you're incorporating each side of the body. If you're using the Viper, you know, this is something that uh, if, if people don't know about the Viper, it's it, those weights, when you, you see it first, they're in kilograms. So if you see, um, I know that there's newer versions of it coming out or that are, are out. Uh, but if someone sees the big one, one, it's either a 12 kilogram, a 16 kilogram or a 20 kilogram weight. You know, if you think about that in pounds, that's a good amount of weight. And that's heavy. Yeah. And so being able to control that in these in multiple uh, planes, that is something that translates almost directly to movements. And something that uh, I've shared with a couple people before is that in this off season, so I've been doing the Highland Games for about uh, five years and about four years competitively. And in this off season, I wanted to try something different. I wanted to see if instead of doing a full volume program, just doing as much volume as you can in an off season, I wanted to incorporate more of this loaded movement training, more unconventional tools and see what happened. And to start the season, and this is was already my, my theory is that I thought that I, my, um, my switch from an off season to preseason to in season would be a shorter period. You know, typically an athlete in those timeframes, you're, you're trying to get back their timing, their rhythm, their foot positions, all those types of things. And, um, if you're doing different types of loaded movement training, um, for myself specifically, I saw that that did de- decrease. I was, my body was able to move better quicker. So, um, with the training that I do now, um, a good thing, uh, and I'm going to come back to social media with this, is that you can get so many examples from social media. Um, somebody, a, a group of people that I work with called, um, on social media called Genesis Flow, um, they do something where they combine loaded movement training with flow. And these, these guys can flow with amazing, with amazing uh, capability. I've, the guy that, um, one of the creators of it, his name is Sean Corkery. I've seen him flow with a 50 pound, um, dumbbell and he can move that around his body, around his head with ease. I've seen him, uh, he does this thing called hot dogging where he'll take the 20 pound, uh, or sorry, the 20 kilogram Viper and then put two 10 kilogram um, vipers into it. He'll stick them into it to make it, um, even heavier and he'll move seamlessly with it. It's just amazing what, what he can do with it. Um, but this is somebody that I love, I love heavy flows or even just weighted flows. They don't have to be super heavy, but anything with a 15, 20 pound steel mace. And you know, like we're throwing around these numbers, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, and regular, regular folks who, who go to the gym and, and take a 20 pound dumbbell, you know, it's not heavy, but with these, you know, offset tools, these, you know, these tools that are in different formats, like a 10 pound club, for example, is oh, yeah. freaking heavy. It's oh, yeah. heavy. You know, the, the grip strength that you have to to have over time and, and start to develop in order to do these movements fluidly, it takes a long time. So you're talking about a 22 kg Viper or a 20 or 50 pound dumbbell being able to to move in these planes of motion fluidly is not an easy task. So I just want to clear there on that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And 
that's the thing with, you know, when you're introducing it with your clients too, is you start them off that, you know, an 8kg, 6kg, 10kg. And, you know, they'll be like, wow, like, is there a lighter one? Or they'll be sweating after it. And you you say, yeah, you know, that's, that's tough. And they start to see, okay, wow, like this, that is where the payoff is. Um, With the Highland Games, it's an interesting, um, I'll say, interesting uh, sport just because of um, the requirements for it. The division that I compete in, it's called the lightweight division. So, um, and this will give you an an idea of of the sport in general is I compete in a division that's under 200 pounds. 200 pounds is still a lot of weight for an individual. I'm uh, I'm Googling images of the Highland Games and this looks pretty badass. I mean, all these guys are jacked out of their minds and throwing heavy ass logs, pulling ropes. They're swinging like, I mean, I don't even know the terms of like that weighted ball that goes around throwing Mm -hmm. rocks. Um, But yeah, this is really cool, man. Oh yeah. And you know, with the Highland Games, the lighter weights. So let's say that um, a popular event is the lightweight for distance. And so the lightweight for distance is a 28 pound weight that's attached to a chain and a handle. And you essentially spin and then you throw it out in front of you. 28 pounds is still a good amount of weight. The heavier version for heavyweight for distance in my division, we throw a 42 pound weight, but the big boys, you know, that, that they don't have any weight restriction. These guys are throwing a 56 pound weight. It's insane. Insane. How are they throwing them? Um, so the, the world record for heavyweight for distance um, with the big boys, I think it's 50, it's 50 something uh, feet for lightweights that throw the 42. It's 50. Yeah. It's 52, 10, which is crazy. Like I know. Uh, yeah. It, it's crazy. And um, as a competitor, you know um, I've had the privilege. This will be next week will be my third year in a row going to the national championship. And at this event, you get to see the best of the class and to see the elite, elite guys. I'm talking about the top four guys, what they do with these weights. It's just amazing. And oftentimes, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the sport as well. And I'll sit there, even though I'm competing against these guys, um, I'm just, in, I'll stand there just in awe because it's just beautiful to watch, you know, oh, sure. these guys just throwing, controlling these weights. And um, I mean, the rocks that we throw, the open stone, which is, uh, where people can either do a glide or a spin with it. That's a 16-pound rock. Um, the one where we do a stand throw, it's a 22-pound rock, um, which could – it's not shaped, you know, nicely. It's oftentimes there's ridges or there's a flat end on it. Um, and so we throw things either for distance, for height. Um, <laughs> well, the funny one that uh, people will laugh about is uh, we do think something called the sheaf toss, where it's a bag of um, – supposed to be a bag of hay but it's whatever we can do to get uh, for my class it's a 16 pound bag and we throw it with a, a pitchfork so um I, I have a pitchfork that's in my car I, <laughs> I keep a pitchfork in my car and i drive around uh town with that but uh it's a in that often when i go to the airport that's always the funny one too is when they ask what's in your bag um so i put it in a snowboarding bag and i'll try to explain to them it's a pitchfork and they're like what's in there a pitchfork uh but uh it's it's fun though it's something for myself and i'm sure many um ex-athletes it's the same thing that it keeps them training it keeps them motivated and it keeps for me it also keeps me exploring new things um you know what can i do to uh you know train differently train more efficiently and you know get that competitive edge 
in a sport where you know you're you're new to it what are the training modalities for it and you know this is where some people might find you know the spartan races or uh, endurance running all exactly so we're always looking for something to stay competitive in oh dude 100 because if you if you're an alpha or if you have those competitive juices that flow in you and you kind of toss it out the window when you get a real job or quote unquote you know work every single day or whatever the heck it is like you miss out and like these uh you know it manifests in a, in a way if you're not kind of going out there and expending the ju- your juices in competitive form so yeah this highland game stuff is awesome and it goes hand in hand with this offset training doesn't it like oh, yeah. it's so in these unconventional these unconventional movements this is totally like paired together nicely and even anyone who does triathlons or you know any sort of stick sport athlete any athlete anybody that's trying to move better feel better I feel like these these unconventional methods will have an, an everlasting imprint, not just physically, but mentally. The, the elasticity of the brain, learning new things, keeping yourself on your toes and keeping yourself in check. It's it's humbling experience, and I think it's super healthy overall, don't you say? Oh, yeah. It, exactly how you said, you know, looking for that, uh, you know, something to keep them moving. And uh, as we, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, we're talking about uh, my old, my, or my client that, um, you know, he used to be an athlete himself and he wants to be moving. And, um, you know, as we age, finding that motivation, that motivation factor that keeps our brain going, keeps us wanting to uh, move. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, we work a nine to five, we get off at five and some, it's, it's easy to be like, no, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to go watch Game of Thrones and uh, I'm going to eat my dinner and I'm going to go to bed. But, you know, if you have that motivation to, uh, you know, say, no, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to you know, eat a little bit healthier that night. And you, you see the effects it has on your well-being, your wellness. It's, it's huge. It's a big payoff. Now, here's another thing that I, I am very interested in talking about, mm-hmm. the creativity aspect. Mm-hmm. If you want to be at your best and, and optimizing, you want to create new things. You want to create content, invent shit, you know, create stuff at work whether it's art, whether it's a song, whether it's a document or whatever, like you need to be uh, firing mentally on another level. Don't you think that these tools are phenomenal for getting that person into a, like a, the, you know, a creative mental state as well? Oh yeah. I would say that's almost a, it opens up your, your willingness to want to learn more. I think that from an aspect of wanting to learn more, um, you know, when you get into unconventional stuff, you're like, oh, like that's that's a new tool. Like, what are the what are the the cues for? Okay, where do I need to position my body? Things like that. And then if you're an inventor or you're an entrepreneur, you know, that translates to other areas. I I don't know the exact quote for it, but I remember hearing or seeing it in a documentary about Arnold and how he contributed weightlifting and strength training to you know, later on in life and, you know, mm-hmm. business, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that it definitely translates to other areas of, of entrepreneurship with, you know, you want to learn how do you market your business better? You want to learn all of those little intricacies of, of SEO or how to build something. And I definitely think that it contributes for myself with, uh, you know, that open-mindedness of, of being an entrepreneur. Um, I, before I even got, about an, an hour before we, we started talking, um, I was watching a video about SEO from somebody on YouTube that I, I follow. And it's that willingness to learn something new, 
to try to better myself. I think that that's something that is definitely hand in hand with all this kind of stuff. Oh, 100%, man. Uh, you're really smart. And I'm really, I'm really, I'm really happy to uh, have had this conversation with you. Before we, uh, before we go, uh, I do want to talk about you as a coach teaching athletes um, the the mental aspect of the game. Do you do or have any tips with like uh, approaching the game mentally, kind of blocking out nerves, visualization techniques, breathing or breath work? Do you have any tips uh, in training or teaching athletes or clients? the mental aspect of life or going about something challenging? Uh, that's a good one um, because I think that uh, with myself, the, it depends on a case-by-case -case scenario. And when I'm working with certain athletes, so um, I don't teach these athletes anymore, but I used to, for about a year and a half, I coached the, some volleyball athletes in the area. Uh, we would do strength training, uh, work on agility stuff, and um, hopefully try to get them jumping higher. And with them, a lot of what I would do since they were learning new movements was try to focus them on the aspect because if we if we can focus a young mind into the task at hand, hopefully they can acquire that that skill and remember mm -hmm. this when it comes to the competition. So I think that um, you know it's a case by case scenario with like myself. Um, a good example is in the Highland Games. There are certain events where I want to put it all on the line. You know, I'm trying to pump myself up. You know, I'm trying to get, uh, I'm not an intimidating person at all. Um, I, you know, people always know that I'm smiling. And um, so it, Listen, man, you're throwing logs, <laughs> and you're throwing rocks. I mean, even though, even though you're in a skirt, I'm pretty sure it's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there's certain events where I can pump myself up for it. But at the same time, there's other events where I need to focus on the cues. I need to make sure that I'm, you know, relaxed enough that I'm not blowing through certain components. Um, sure. Somebody that uh, I remember a good example is um, the great Phil Jackson. Um, I'm a Laker fan. I know that uh, I believe you're in Chicago. So hopefully I'm a Bulls fan. So I know I was a Bulls fan, but I know Phil Jackson in the, those years very well. And yeah. I, I, listen, I'm, I, as a coach, that's somebody I look up to highly. Somebody that's always been in my brain as an inspiration to, to being a quality coach. Is it is yeah. it just a coincidence that he coached? Michael Jordan, one of the greatest of all time, and Kobe Bryant, the greatest of all time, and made them, you know, where they were. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly. that those two were both very great, but I'm sure Phil Jackson's philosophy and mindset had a lot to do with that development. Exactly. And, you know, what's, uh, I don't know the exact way that he phrased it, but I remember he wanted um, his athletes thinking about the situation. He didn't want them trying to block it out. And so sometimes when we see, you know, athletes walking into um, games on uh, – what doesn't matter what sport it is you know they got the headphones on they got the beat headphones on they're walking in they're trying to block it out trying to focus on but i remember uh reading and i could have changed but i remember seeing that you know phil wanted his athletes thinking about the situation trying to you know think about the whole as a whole take it all in um, mm -hmm. another good example um there's a documentary on amazon about uh, man man city the soccer team uh, the football team i want to say that yeah. uh, for for everybody with uh Man City and one of, one of the, the greatest coaches for, for football, uh, Pep, um, he was talking about how before games, he wants his team interacting with each other, talking to each other, laughing, hugging, touching each other, uh, you know, patting on the back, all these types of things when, you know, some coaches might want them, you know, sitting down in certain spaces, focusing. So I think it's a case by case scenario. You got to take in 
you know, what, what, the, what's the team like? What are, what are they good at? What are the ages at? All these types of factors. And what's the situation? And I think that can help you as a coach, you know, develop your own coaching style. What do you want them focusing on? Do you want them focusing on the X's and O's? Or do you want them focusing on, you know, being a team together? Yeah, dude, totally. Well said. And I, as a coach, and I'm coaching high school soccer, and boys and girls, and, you know, I'm trying to make the kids aware of these things so that they're better prepared physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only thing is I, I get, you know, I get people looking at me like, God, come on, this shit doesn't work. Like, what are we, we're meditating, we're visualizing, like, come on, you know, it, it, it's get, it gets the the uh the look of woo woo and again i I like talking about people's unwillingness to like approach something differently or like their unwillingness to like think about things in a new light and i want to i want to shine light on those those things i think we're going to be better teachers i think our kids are going to benefit from that because we're constantly challenging ourselves our own ideas and you know putting ego aside and trying to, to look at things for what they are and really how are they going to optimize your team or your clients or just the people in your environment, really. Oh, yeah. And uh, a great um, series that I just watched on HBO, they have Real Sports with Brian Gumpel. And the last piece of the, the May one, it was talk, talking about um, Norway. And, you know, Norway is becoming a, an elite powerhouse in the Olympics with, um, you know, the, how many medals are taken away. Or even in you know volleyball, soccer, you know they're having this huge um, insurgence of athletes that are that are just great. And so they talked about what makes Norway different. And one of the pieces that made me actually laugh laugh out loud when I was watching it was they said you know we we, we take we understand what the USA what the USA does and we do the exact opposite. And <laughs> one of the funny things or one of the interesting things and this would blow people away in the US was that, but I think before the age of 12, they don't keep score. There's no rankings. There's no stats. There's none of that kind of stuff that the US is, that's, that's our society. We have to rank people. We have to you know what's, who's doing better. We have to specialize our kids. And yet here's a country that's doing it completely different and they're having this great success. And one of the pieces that comes back to what we're talking about right now with the mental aspect is that, so at, at a young age, they're teaching kids skills. They're teaching them um, different sports or a variety of sports. They're not specializing. But once they reach a certain age and once they reach a certain maturity, then they wait for them to say, I want to I learn more about this sport. I want to you know, be better at this sport. And once they do that, then they start t- taking them to the more tech, you know, technology, you know, different types of drills, weight training, all that kind of stuff. But they're waiting for the athlete to to want it themselves. And, you know, that aspect, it's so different than what we're used to here. And it's something to think about, um, especially with young athletes, because, of, sure. um, you know, as they mature, everybody matures at a different age, um, but also the wanting factor. And uh, it's, it's, it's definitely something to, to watch if anybody, um, you know, has HBO and it can, can, you know, pull that up. It's really good if you want to that. Um, so it's on HBO, Real Sports with Brian Gumble. I think I'm saying his last name correctly. Um, it was the May episode, and it's the last piece on it. They have a. Um, it starts off with a, a sad one about the recent um, issues with horse racing, um, and then there's a couple smaller pieces in between. But it's, uh, it's 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 really good, really fascinating. Awesome, man, dude, Tyler, you've been a, a, a wealth of knowledge on this podcast, and I hope that we can do this again, and maybe Definitely. even like 
do do something with video because I, I have you know I have my clubs and mace and kettlebells in my studio here. Mm-hmm. So like maybe we can do something where we're talking about certain things and breaking things down and you know really collaborating and educating the people on how these tools can be really useful. Um, I think that's something that you know we might want to talk about in the future. Definitely, definitely agree with that. I love it. Awesome. So, like, where can people find you if they want to hear more information on uh, what you have to, to give out? Yeah, thank you. So, with uh, if you want to find in more information about KIPS, so it's KIPS, K-I-P-S, online.org. That's our website. You can find information. for Kinesiology Institute of Sports Performance, right? Or Performance, performance what's it called? There you go. Kinesiology Institute for Performance Specialists. Performance Specialists, uh, right, yeah. And then um, on Instagram, we're K-I-P-S, KIPS, underscore, underscore online and that's about the same thing for facebook twitter um and then if you want to see me throwing some weights um i don't really post much other than my practices but if you want to find my instagram it's tyler t-y-l-e-r underscore kips online dude tyler thank you so much for your time today above all else that's something that i really appreciate because i know your time is valuable and everyone's time is valuable and just your your willingness to, to drop knowledge your enthusiasm for this it's you're my kind of people, and I think that's, that. that's something what it's something what that that people need to to hear. You're passionate about it, and part of my podcast and part of the, the stuff that I do with Instagram and my life that I work day to day is that I want to be enthusiastic about what I'm doing so that I can show people that you need to find what it is that you're enthusiastic and love just as much that you can live optimally and have you know a really fun, loving life. And really, that's all I'm, I'm trying to do. I love know? it. I love it. I love it. And thank you, thank you so much for having me. Say, oh yeah, absolutely, dude, absolutely. Uh, we're gonna do this again for sure. What a fun podcast to record. Tyler was awesome. That conversation just kind of flew by. Anyway, if you're interested in learning more about Kips after that podcast, check out their Instagram at Kips underscore online. Check out Tyler at Tyler underscore Kips online. And uh, connect there because he's a wealth of knowledge. Check out one of his workshops. I know there will be a future collaboration. I can sense it. Part of my goal is to connect people in the unconventional fitness community to the mainstream fitness community, to the people, and break this down so any, anybody can really uh, get these benefits and uh, you know just optimize physically, mentally, if that's what you choose to do because the information is out there. You can figure out how to do it, and we're just trying to make these steps easier for the process. Other ways for the process to be easier or get yourself into flow state, you want to drink Action Coffee because Action Coffee is the fuel for life. Go to www.drinkaction.com right now. Get 12% off with promo code Danny at checkout and get yourself some amplified coffee. That's MCT-infused Guatemalan coffee. It's the best. That's how I start my day. It's phenomenal. So you're going to have to go ahead and get yourself some action coffee. You know, another way to get yourself into that flow state is by using CBD products. And I'm going to put you in the direction of Well Vibes CBD. Go to wellvibesorganic.com right now. You can get 20% off your order of CBD. CBD is a great way to get yourself in that parasympathetic state, that relaxed state. You can use it in so many different ways. There's topical solvays, there's capsules, there's tinctures, there's vape pens. At Well Vibes Organic, you can get yourself some high quality CBD. And it's hot right now, so get your, get your hands on some. And this episode is also brought to you by formula nootropics 
your individualized nootropic stacks. If you're interested in cognitive enhancing benefits, physical enhancing benefits, get your hands on some nootropics and figure out which ones are going to be the best for you. You can go uh, check that out at Get My Formula on Instagram. Get my uh, find my formula on Instagram and go to www.getmyformula.com and check out which nootropic stack is going to be right for you. If you use promo code Danny at checkout, you will get 20% off your order of your own individualized nootropics. Start to feel the benefit today. And that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast with love. I'll see you later.